Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to our latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. And on this edition of our show, I'm going to be joined by new Memphis head coach, famous alum, former NBA player, Penny Hardaway, and former Memphis head coach, new High Point head coach, Tubby Smith. So Memphis fans give you a little bit of an interesting perspective, your former coach and your new coach, and certainly fans that have followed Tubby Smith throughout the course of his illustrious career can hear why he decided to make this move at this juncture of his career and his life to a lower level and go to his alma mater as well at High Point as Penny Hardaway has returned to his alma mater at Memphis. So two unique conversations with Penny Hardaway and Tubby Smith. Joining me here on March Madness 365, Penny Hardaway, the new head coach of the Memphis Tigers. Obviously a very familiar name to that university, to that area. Uh, Penny, why was the timing right for you to make the jump right now? Well, I felt like I had fulfilled everything that I needed to fulfill in in high school. Uh, I had just won my third straight state championship in a row. I had a great group of guys, but I felt like the timing was perfect for me to leave because I had really done everything that I could do in high school. And uh, the city was in dire need. The school was in dire need because Coach Smith wasn't there anymore. And I just decided to take it. You know, we've seen this before where heralded NBA guys, uh, iconic names, you know, maybe have dipped their toe in coaching. And some have been successful. Some haven't. Some have gone the route that you had of either, you know, coaching at a lower lower level or being an apprentice as an assistant, if you will. Uh, why was it critical for you to, to get that experience on the bench, actually calling timeouts, being in huddles, before you were to take on a job of this magnitude? Well, it was just preparing for that. I think the best um, teacher is the experience. And, you know, I wanted to do – I got kind of put into a situation with a friend that had cancer to start coaching. And once I started coaching, I wanted to be great at my craft. So I felt like every step of the way, I was just bettering myself to be a coach on a, on a higher level. So I went from middle school, learning. I, I mean, I knew everything. I'm still an NBA player, coach in middle school, but still learning. I'm a student of the game, uh, figuring it out. Like I say, calling the timeouts, adjusting defenses, putting certain offenses in, and went into AAU with the same philosophies, still growing as a coach, and then into high school. And I felt like on the high school level and on the AAU level that I was coaching college because of the kids that I was uh, – I was coaching on a daily basis uh, in high school, and when I when I was able to coach AAU, we had the number one team in the country. So, you know, and, and the teams that we were playing against were guys that were going to be major D1 college players anyway. So I felt like I was preparing myself for college if I ever wanted to go that route. So w- when you were playing, and, and I know, you know, your career was cut short by injuries, but at any point uh, had you considered that uh, in the future you would be a coach of some sort? Absolutely not. Uh, I knew that I wanted to work with kids, but I didn't know that it would be at the magnitude of coaching college or even coaching high school. Uh, the middle school, you know, my friend needed me, and I was there for him. Uh, but going on to high school, we just kind of 
you know, it just kind of followed the group that I had. But I never thought when I was in the NBA that I would be coaching middle school, high school, or college. That was never on my. That was never my intention. You know, we we've seen this before, as I mentioned. Uh, whether it's Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, Chris Mullen at St. John's, when Clyde Drexler tried Houston, um, how critical was it for you in making this decision? That it was somewhere in your comfort zone that where people, you know, basically were comfortable with you, whether they were in the community, whether there's any holdovers in the administration, uh, even even though it's not the same arena that you played in, but uh, still having that same comfort zone of being in familiar turf, if you will. H- how critical was that for you? Uh, it was it was definitely critical because if I was going to coach college, I wanted to coach my alma mater. I mean, I felt like if I would apply for a lot of other jobs, I would have gone in, gave an interview and would have been successful wherever I had gone, you know, to get the job, uh, even without the college experience. I just felt like it was the time it was right. I wanted to do it for my own alma mater, my hometown, and uh, I wanted to stay here. And uh, I think uh, a lot of guys have tried to compare me to Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing, and, you know, Clyde Drexler really had a short stint at the University of Houston. The only difference is I coached AAU, I coached high school, and I was so familiar with eight years of being in that that arena with the grassroots that, these are the same kids that are playing college. So I think there's a slight difference in that, in that case when it comes to us. So obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm a little older than you, but I mean, obviously I've seen your whole career. Uh, the coaches, excuse me, the, the players that you're recruiting, I would, I'd be shocked if anyone actually has ever seen you play, you know, maybe they've watched it, but, uh, you know, how has that been for you in terms of um, relaying your experiences in the players that you're recruiting uh, to understand sort of the level that you played at and the, the work ethic that you put in to get to where you were? Yeah, I think the best thing that I have going for me is that the parents of the players, the guardians and the coaches that coach these kids, they go on YouTube and show them my history and, and, and how I did the game. Uh, the kids know me from my sneakers because Nike did a great job with the phone posit and a lot of the kids around the country, they love my sneakers. So that's the way that I've stayed relevant. But for the kids that didn't see me play, because all these kids that I'm recruiting, none of them did, their families, their friends, uh, their coaches, guardians or whoever, whomever, they go to YouTube and show them you know, my game and how I played and, and my accolades. And that, that, has, that weighs a lot with the kids around the country. Now, obviously, you know, it, it, you crossed over in the mainstream with Lil Penny. Uh, you, you know, when you look back at your experiences, where does that one rank in terms of, uh, you know, one that you enjoyed or didn't enjoy just that, that, that sort of helped define you, even though it was something sort of off the court? Well, I mean, it was number one in my career because it helped thrust me to another level. My basketball play took me to be first team all NBA and all star and dream teamer. But little penny took me to a magnitude to where even if you weren't a basketball fan, you enjoyed the commercials. Uh, the Little Penny commercial. So he took me to another level or a level or two higher than where I was as a basketball player. He was, Little Penny was very instrumental in my career being so big around the world, not just in the country. Now, what kind of Little Penny uh, sort of uh, souvenirs do you still have? Well, I still have the, uh, the actual doll, the, um, almost like the life-size doll that they used in the commercial. And um, I got some other uh, small miniature dolls that they sold uh, that finally went on the market. So, you know, I could never forget Little Penny. <laughs> now, your son, Jaden, what, what, what does he think of it? Oh, he loves it. You know, uh, they call him Little Penny, but uh, he, he loves it, though. I mean, it was comedy. You know, anytime you're dealing with an athlete and doing commercials and there's comedy involved, I think you could never lose with that. All right, so let's look at recruiting here. Um, you know, in terms of the roster that ended last season, if my numbers are correct, 
you know, there could have been 12 returning players based on, you know, who was a senior and who wasn't. Uh, of that number, uh, when you took the job, you know, how many were left and how many did you think, you know, you, you potentially could have as a holdover? Well, um, when we originally came back, there were one, two, it was like eight players that were that were new. So coming back, it would have been 12, like you said. Six of the guys, um, three asked for release. Uh, one became ill, so we probably have to do a medical on him. And um, the rest were kind of, a few were walk-ons. So we really have four, five, six returning players coming back now, uh, which opened up scholarships for us to go out and recruit guys that we wanted to recruit. Now, I'm hoping you can uh, speak to these. I think you have all the NLIs, but uh, you got your son, Jaden, Tyler Harris, Antoine Jones, uh, Alex Lomax, and Isaiah Maurice, if I'm not mistaken, Yes. yes. Um, which is a pretty good haul in a short amount of time. And as you were saying, I mean, you were connected. It wasn't like you came, you know, uh, completely out of the blue into this world. Uh, as soon as you got the job, you take me through sort of those initial moments of, okay, deal with the presser and all that kind of stuff. What were some of the first things that you had to do to make sure that you could make an impact on the recruiting trail and actually, you know, sign potential players that are going to help you right away? Yeah, well, after the press conference, I had a meeting with the the existing team. You know, I spoke to them about being a family, uh, trusting one another, moving forward. And then shortly after that, some of the guys who probably had been talking to coaches uh, between the span of Coach Smith leaving and me coming – and these guys started coming to me, and I wanted to have individual meetings. They said that they it was nothing, no offense to me, but they wanted to leave. So first I had to see how many scholarships I could actually get, because initially we only had three. And then four more opened up uh, really quickly, and that allowed me to go out and understand what I can do and what we needed to go with the mix that was staying. And then I really had to also kind of figure out, okay, who else is going to leave or wants to leave? And once we got to that number of everybody, okay, everybody else wants to stay, they want to be a part of this, then I went out and started thinking about, okay, we need a big, we need a skilled big. Uh, we need, uh, we got rid of like four guards. So we need, we need guards. And, you know, going into the uh, the recruiting process of it, of course, we went after some larger, some larger ranked players around the country. And we didn't, we went after uh, yeah, a few players and we couldn't get those guys. But then a couple players fell into our lap. They, uh, their families, they opened their recruitment and their families or their handler or someone reached out to us and said, hey, we're interested. We brought them in. They enjoyed what we what we showed them and what we talked about, and they signed. And uh, it was a blessing to be able to get Antoine Jones, uh, who had committed to, you know, Texas A&M. And it was a blessing to get Isaiah Maurice uh, and Tyler Harris and Alex Lomax, who was my point guard in high school. And um, it was just uh, – it all fell into – place uh the way that we needed to fall into place so as it stands now how will memphis look compete and you think perform next season well i'm really excited about my team i mean we got a veteran team coming back uh we have a really tough league i have so much respect for all the coaches that are in our league we, man coaching wise we have like some of the best coaches in the country hands down so the team coming back was already good with with senior senior laden guys that were they're really hungry that didn't get a chance to do what they really felt that they wanted to do last year by going to the NCAA tournament. So you add some really great freshmen and a great junior in Isaiah Maurice to go along with the talent. I think we have a good, as good a chance as anyone without disrespecting the Cincinnati's and the Wichita State's and the Houston's, the better teams from last year, 
with winning our conference uh, with what we have mixed together. And we're going to play fast. We're going to play offensively. We're going to play fast. And defensively, we're going to get out the people. We're not going to hold the ball. We want to be the, the highest scoring team in the country and the best defensive team in the, in the country at the same time. So that's our focus, and we really feel like we can do that. You know, Penny, apathy can certainly crush a program, and there had been apathy there. Uh, no offense to, to Tubby or even Josh at, at the end of his term, but, you know, it, it, had started to, it had started to sort of head in the wrong direction. Your hire certainly infused tremendous enthusiasm in the program in a city that's embraced basketball, both obviously collegially and on the professional side with the Grizzlies. What do you anticipate it being like at the FedEx Forum when you guys have home games, especially that first one for you when you walk out onto that court? It's going to be electric. You know, it's, it's just the city is on fire right now. Everyone is excited. Uh, to Josh's defense, I mean, you, you, you can't. It's so hard to come behind what John Calipari did. You know, when John left to go to Kentucky, he kind of left Josh in a very – uh, unorthodox situation and Josh did the best that he could and then Coach Smith came in behind that and he had some kids to transfer and he got put in a really bad situation so it was kind of unfortunate for both of those guys how it all went down but my hire has definitely lit a fire under the community and they're ready to support us and I know in our first game that it's going to be jam-packed and it's going to be electric we, we've gotten the fans back excited about Memphis basketball. And before I let you go Penny you know I mentioned Jaden you're making me feel old that you're coaching your son now <laughs> but uh, what, what, what's that going to be like for you to the sort of double barrel of, you know, coming back to your alma mater, it's your first head coaching job at the collegiate level, it's at Memphis. Oh, and by the way, you get to coach your son. Yeah, and that's, you can't even script that any better, uh, Andy. It's, it's, it's a dream uh, for me to be at the University of Memphis, but also, like you said, to be coaching my own son. Uh, at my alma mater. His mother actually went to the school as well and graduated from Memphis. So he's excited. We're excited as uh, as a family uh, that he's going to be in a, in a University of Memphis uniform with me at the helm. So now we just got to get him to performing at a high level <laughs> to, uh, to help us win. Well, Penny, uh, congratulations on this gig. And I, I really look forward to obviously talking to you more in the future. And and I know, I know you're going to get Memphis energized and uh, it's certainly going to be a program to keep an eye on throughout the course of next season and beyond. Yeah, thanks a lot. We're excited and we're ready to go. All right, thanks, Penny. All right, thank you, Andy. And coming up here on March Madness 365, new High Point head coach, Tubby Smith. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, the new head coach at High Point, Tubby Smith. It, it kind of sounds... Uh, a little bit different. Uh, Tubby, we've talked many times at all your different stops. You know, some have been, uh, well, almost all of them obviously have been by your choice. Uh, this latest one was not initially. When the situation sort of turned at Memphis, what made High Point the right stop for you at this point in your career and life? Well, you know, it wasn't really, uh, I mean, High Point was not on my radar, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying that. You know, in a derogatory way. No, it makes sense. I was planning on really just, you know, once you get fired, you're kind of going through a period of it. It's happened to me before, so I'm going through a a period. I'm just going to take it easy, take some time off. There are going to be other opportunities. And just uh, which, which I haven't had a break in about 45 years, to be honest with you. So, it, But I love what I do. I love coaching. I love teaching. And the, the president here at High Point University and I went to college together. Uh, so this job had opened up about a week or two before I was let go at Memphis. 
and they really hadn't had a chance. And, and Scott had done a great job here. So we were, we've been supportive of the university, High Point University, and my alma mater for a lot, for years. So uh, it, it was an opportunity for us to, when he mentioned it, uh, so really, really, Nito Cobain, you know, and, uh, but it it's turned out to be something special, you know, so we're really excited about being here. So a lot of things different from previous stops. But we'll find a way. We've got a new arena coming on board. So a lot of great things happen. So it's interesting you say you haven't had a break in 45 years. I've had a lot of coaching friends who, you know, have gotten fired or whatever, you know, something's happened with the contract, whatever. And they take that year off to sort of get recharged, go around, visit friends, see what they, you know, right. maybe want to do the next time around. You've never had that, you know, from Tulsa to Georgia to Kentucky to Minnesota, to Texas Tech, to Memphis, to High yep. Point. I mean, you've never had a break. Um, you know, at any of these junctures, did you ever stop and think, you know what, maybe I should just pause at least for one season, take a breath and and see what, you know, what I want to do next and how I want to tackle it? Oh, absolutely. I've, that was on my mind. I just mentioned, I mean, I'm sitting here now going, you know, do you have that energy? Do you have that drive? But the, this is probably the only place – a high point in this situation at that time when all the things that that Nito Cobain and the athletic director Dan Hauser approached me with, I mean that was influential. You know, it's going back home to my, you know, where I went to college, where I met my wife, and so I think it was a little pretty emotional. You know, I think those are very you get so you got to be real careful about that, and uh, because there are things that that you'll find, you know, at a, at a high point university that are a lot different from a Memphis or Texas Tech or, you know, Georgia or Texas Tech. But still, it's just, uh, it's coaching. And I love coaching. But, uh, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm sensing that the things that we need to get done, it's, I've been reinvigorated because I have friends here. I have, you know, uh, and this universe is growing left and right, so I'm really excited about that. What did Donna say, your wife? I mean, she's been with you throughout all this about, you know, what you should do. Well, she's wanting want me to stay and keep working. I don't know why, but <laughs> no, we, we, she wanted me to continue because, she, because what happens is you look at your extended family, which is your staff and personnel, and you feel bad because all of those folks are, are without now they have no longer have jobs. Uh, so you get concerned. And also my son Gigi was let go at Loyola this year. So it was an opportunity for me to, to bring them on board, bring some of my staff if they wanted to come uh, on board. So those things uh, made it easier for me to, to stay in the business and come to High Point. Now you've been at you know the highest level uh, with all the perks and amenities. <laughs> Um, yeah. So w what's it like to, to, you know, I mean, no offense since, I mean, there is no offense. I mean, High Point knows where it is on the, the pecking order. What's it been like to sort yeah. of take that step back at the lower Division One level where you're not going to have, you know, as many, uh, for lack of a better term, as many amenities as you would, whether it was at Kentucky, Minnesota, Texas Tech, or even Memphis? Well, those amenities uh – to be honest with you, uh, I kind of blown out of proportion at the major college level. You really don't have, you know, some guys. I mean, there are very few people where coaches can just jump on a plane and go recruiting. You know, there are very few places like that. Maybe the Kentuckys, maybe the North Carolinas, the Dukes. But outside of that, 
that's not happening at many places. Uh, there, there may be a few others. I, I know it didn't happen at Texas Tech. It didn't happen at Memphis. I mean, you might be able to find a plane now and then, but it's something you had to work. You had to you had to go out and 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 and, and get done. And so we can do that here. You know, I can I can uh, grow this program, and, and we can grow this program together. And there's been commitments made by our administration, which I appreciate. And um, but no, it, it is a league that probably going to be on buses. I guess that's the thing. The biggest adjustment that I will probably have to make. But I'm a guy that comes from. You know, I, I've always felt. Like I really didn't need a lot. I've come from high school coaches where I actually drove the bus. That's been years ago. I've been in other programs like Tulsa where you didn't have, you know, all the things they do now. But when we first got there, it wasn't a, you know, you know, there were, you know, drive to, to St. Louis or drive to Illinois State or, you know. So it's, I don't know if we, if we love the game. And one of the things in talking to someone like Cliff Ellis and other guys that have been in this business or. You know, Eldon Miller, you know, people that, that are, have moved from those levels, maybe at Ohio State. You know, Al Skinner's doing that now at uh, Kennesaw. Yes, at Kennesaw State. So, it's, you know, it's, if you love the game, it's not because, you you know, you need it or you're financially broke. It's just that you you feel you love the game and you love coaching. So, it's you, you'll adapt. You'll, you'll adjust and you'll adapt, which I'm doing now. I mean, but I, I'm looking out the window now. It's a beautiful campus. The sun shining, the people here appreciate me, and so I'm looking forward to it. You know, look, this is a credit to you that part of the reason that you have not had to have this break is because you've been able to get these other jobs one after the other. Um, what do you think it is? And maybe a little, you know, a little, um, I wouldn't want to say toot your own horn here, but I mean, clearly you've done the things the right way that other athletic directors, when they've had an opening, you know, have said, you know what? He's the guy. What do you think it is that you've done well that you haven't had to sort of search for these jobs that they've come to you despite, you know, what happened uh, at Minnesota and uh, at Memphis? Well, because they've saw the, you know, people that are in the business appreciate that we change the culture to the proper culture. You know, we're, you know, we took over Memphis. We had an APR issue. The last semester the fall semester of last year, we had the highest GPA in the history of Memphis basketball players, men's basketball. You understand what I mean? So we, we were established. We left 11 guys there. Every starter's back except one. Every player improved their stats the year before. So, I mean, when you look at the, you know, when you look dig deep and you see the changes that had to be made and the influence and impact you have on a program, you know, that's what you do. You put down deep roots. You change it for the, for the good. So the next person, or even if you're, because I tell players when I recruit myself, you know, I could get hit by a car. I could drop dead tomorrow. I could get fired. Come here because you love, you know, the institution. You love the players you're around. And that's the way we recruit. I, you know, obviously we love to be able to win and championships and compete, but we know that it's, uh, and that's a challenge. And you go back to Texas Tech. I mean, you went down there and they had seven, you know, hadn't had a, a winning team in seven years hadn't been the NCAA in nine years, but you you know you, you if they give you time and which they do, which they, if they give us time and which uh, to turn programs around, you know Memphis Minnesota was a you know, that was a whole different world that that you know the issue there with the with you know with the administrator with the AD was tough, but that's and, and Memphis they just you know their thing is they've got to have 
you know, I know you got to put fans in the stands and, and you've got to sell tickets, but we felt like we were heading in the right direction. And we, I think we left it in, in, in pretty good shape. You know, to that point uh, in covering Chris Beard in Texas Tech this past season, he was incredibly complimentary of you, the pro, you know, of what you left him. Obviously, we saw that with the kind of talent they had there and led by Keenan Evans and the veteran guys that you put there. And then, in, I, you know, in talking even to, to Penny Hardaway about Memphis, uh, there's a core group there that, you know, he's hoping to win right away because of the guys that you left in addition to the, you know, the newcomers that he's, you know, he's bringing in. So, you know, how, how much do you, do you take with that, that, you know what, you have left these places, you know, not bare, and that, you know, that they're on solid footing where the next guy can come in and win? Again, uh, you, you, when you say do it the right way, you don't take shortcuts. You build for the long term. And, and then I think not only do these teams, not only do the coaches that inherit or take over these programs win, but the program prospers. You know, they, they've developed the, you know, people, you know, they see what's going on, but it just takes time to teach and to educate the fans, especially that that's happening. And I appreciate Chris Beard. He will, but again, those are veteran players. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, at those schools, you're not probably not going to get the one and dones that are that many times that, but, but if you can get good players and develop them and, and they believe in what you're doing, which, which, you know, Texas Tech did, and certainly we did it at Georgia. We did it everywhere we've been, whether it was Kentucky. We left good teams and good players there uh, because, you know, we tried to get the right guys that, that were going to, you know, that weren't, had one foot out the door. And, we, and our kids don't transfer a lot. I mean, we had that problem at Memphis, but but we've always been able to, to help, to give kids confidence and belief, the value system that they want to be a part of. And that's, I think that's core to what we're, to what we're about and how we try to establish, you know, longevity. And, uh, you know, that's what I was trying to allude to before about the transfer. You know, I was saying, you know, you got to teach players how to fight through these things and not just give up uh, when things get rough, you know, and that's why we, you know, all of a sudden, a guy doesn't get to play in time or somebody doesn't like what coach said or, or anything, you know, somebody is on the outside is pulling at him. That is just a lot tougher than it's been in the past because of, I guess, the notoriety and the social, net, you know, the that, that's out there, the social network that people that they can be exposed to, you know, about it, whether good and bad, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, it's on the network. I mean, why didn't you play tonight? Oh, I was upset because he didn't play it. So now you got to fight through that and, and, uh, and, and, and get better. So. And one last thing, Tubby, I mean, I don't know now that you're out of it, but, um, how much will you take some, uh, sort of, sort of solace in that you can just coach, and, uh, you know, develop these young guys and put a winning product on the floor and not have to worry about, you know, okay, we, you know, we only had 5,000 in the sands. We only had 10,000. We didn't sell out that those sort of, you know, external, external pressures that come with those high profile jobs of, you know, what's going on in terms of how many people are there, how many tickets you're being sold that, that somehow gets filtered to you as the basketball coach 
and you know ultimately sometimes you can pay the price for that uh you don't have to worry about that at a place like high point how much you know will that be a little bit different for you probably not you know because i i never really felt that pressure i mean no one really said hey coach you gotta you know, I, I, I didn't get the negativism of the whole problem there there you know at, at memphis i know there's a certain element you know they play in a big arena there you know, that seats 18,000 is just a lot of people that have to, you know, it's just, just different. The, the times have changed, you know, with the with the new, you know, when you look at the way the NCAA is structured now, it's tough for for schools to, so, you, you know, and I think you got to live within your means. You got to stay with, uh, you got to have the vision. But no, I think it'll be fun. You know, I don't know that, again, I've never looked at it as, okay, if you put a good product out there, people are going to come. They're going to watch. They're going to want to cheer for you. You know, obviously, we had a lot of things surrounding now the Memphis program. You know, because let's face it, you know, um, they had a pretty good program before I got there, and uh, and certainly we didn't. It wasn't like we were inheriting inheriting something bad. Same here. You know, it's not like you're taking over programs that's just been downtrodden. So it's. Uh, I feel good about what we did there at Memphis, and I feel and I'm feeling good about what we're going to do here. You know, so it's going to it's a process, and, and we know it's not going to be easy, but but I'm ready to for the long haul, and that's what you do. You you plan, and you have a plan, you stick to it, and you go as hard as you can, and that's that's all you can do. That's all you can ask about players, and that's why I'm listening to John Wood. Just give your best, your best effort, and that's all people want. Well, Tommy, it's great that you're, you know, staying visible, staying in the game, and I know the people at High Point will be better served to having you on campus and and then coaching their players. So, I appreciate you joining us. Hey, thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. As always, we cover the sport year-round, and you can go to NCAA.com and all our social media platforms for coverage on college basketball. In fact, last week, had a chance to talk to Ben Hallam at Mississippi State where they're getting back four of their key players who decided not to stay in the NBA draft. And we're going to see a lot more of that over the next couple of weeks because, remember, the deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft is May 30th. So a lot of these rosters, they're a little bit in flux right now. They will take shape in the beginning of June as players decide whether or not to stay in the NBA draft or go back to school. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Andy Katz, and stay with us throughout the course of the year here on Mark Madness. 365.